0: <laughs> All right, very yeah, good, very good. That's it. Uh, good uh, afternoon. I'm um, honored to be here tonight, I mean today. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I would love to make this uh, lecture more of uh, maybe questions and answers. I'm sure you have a lot of questions to ask today. I don't care about the topic, any topic you want to ask about, feel free to ask. I just understand you finished the whole Mesilat Yisharim, which is a great achievement. Every Jew has to read Messilah Yisharim at least a hundred times in his lifetime. to be able to know it by heart, because everything in life is in that book. The Ramchal Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutrato that lived 250 years ago, it wasn't just a rabbi, it was a rabbi that from age 18 already Hashem sent him an angel, a magid, to speak to him. It was so out of the ordinary that big holy rabbis in their 70s never had it. They looked at him as sort of some kind of a strange phenomena. What, who are you? What are you telling us? An angel is speaking to you. You don't even have a beard. You didn't have a beard. He was very skinny. It was also a diamond maker, who used to make diamonds. So he wasn't the ordinary Chacham, but he was the greatest in the world. When the Gaon Mivilna saw the book in handwriting, remember, there was no printing like today. So they showed him a copy of his book. When he read the chapter Midat Hasidut, how he explained what does it mean to be a Hasid, he got up, he wore his Shabbos clothes, took his cane, and he said, I will walk all the way from Vilna to meet this hacham. Where is he? They told him in Padova, in Italy. From Vilna to Italy, it may take you months to walk, you know? And they say to him, too late. He just passed, 39, 39 years old. And he wrote more than 100 books. We only know few of them. Most of them are gone. We have no idea where they're gone of course when, you, when a Chacham writes a book and then it's gone from the world before it was published it was the will of Hashem sometimes it can be too much to the level of the generation Hashem has his calculation why the books were done but the ones who remain are uh, a path to life I just finished recently to do a series Way of Hashem also by the Ramchal which is very recommended you should listen to it explains about the entire creation, the upper worlds, the angels, how does it work, how your life, it's actually a two-way highway, whatever you do over here goes up there, being analyzed and return right back to you. So basically, according to this series, if you listen to it, you will understand that basically everything that happens to us in our life, we cook 100% and then we have to eat it. It's 100% in our hands. Yeah, they're saying it in an easy way, you know. So, in other words, you know, King Solomon, I understand you're about to start Michelet. Mishlei, it's Proverbs in English, right? So, King Solomon wrote three books. But he didn't really write it himself. He just put ground for it the knowledge he actually put the knowledge and who really wrote it King Chizkiyahu and his yeshiva 500 years later King Solomon was 3000 years ago and uh, King Chizkiyahu is uh, according to some opinion is the most righteous king in the history of the world even greater than David HaMelech it's Machloket in who was greater King David or King Chizkiyahu because each one of them was unique in his own way. King David was a very holy tzaddik and his uh, Mashiach comes from him. He set the, the ground, the foundation for the first temple, he had a lot of great achievements in his life. Just reading teilim you understand the holiness of David HaMelech. It's beyond words. But King Chizkiyahu's achievement never ever achieved in history of the world. And in his days... Every boy in a Jewish nation was a Talmid Chacham. There was no at Sot. He didn't have ignorant people. He took a sword, he stuck it in the Bet Midrash, in the Yeshiva, and he said, anyone who will not learn Torah will be stabbed to death. You know, people understand fear. Fear is a great, Uh, motivational power, even though everyone complained about fear but no one can deny that fear is the best and fastest reaction in life. When something happened, right now it's the best month I had in 30 years. I'm speaking almost uh, now 29 years and uh, this month, this 45 days was the best ever. Why? I don't have to do anything. People are begging me, help me to become religious. How do I start keeping Shabbat? It's it's turned around now. I used to beg people. Now they beg me, uh, can I meet you? Can you show me how to do it? I have to make Shiduchim. Here, speak to this student of mine, that one, this family, that one, all over, why? Fear. They realize the world is in a fragile situation. Right now we're here, tomorrow we may not be here. For it's too late, people want to do tshuva. When people are happy, they eat well, they travel, they have nothing to worry about, all they care about, especially women, is shopping and cosmetic and cooking for Shabbos. There's nothing else to worry about. Ah, religion is important, but it's not top priority. When you don't know if tomorrow you'll be around, if your children will be around, it's a whole different way. And the Rambam writes in, uh, in Ruchot Shuvat chapter 10, Al Aleph. First in chapter ten in the Rambam writes that a person should not worship Hashem out of fear from losing his Ulamaba, his next world, out of fear of being punished in this world, losing all the promises that the Torah gave and the blessing and he should not become righteous because of all the blessing or because he's afraid of all the curses that are in the Torah. This is not a superb way, it's not a great way. This way belongs to women, children and ignorant men. There are three categories, women, children and ignorant men. What's mutual to these three groups? why the Rambam put them as those are the people that should follow Hashem with fear fear that's productive for women for children and for men that is not knowledgeable in Torah <laughs> ignorant people why? because they are not learning daily Torah all day they never heard about your group.. <laughs> I'm talking general women Surely women, are busy, children in the old days, remember when these things were written 2,000 years ago or 800 years ago, the time of the Rambam, the life of a woman was a nightmare compared to today. Just try to imagine your day. You live in flat bush, everything is pressing buttons, car, this, you restart the car from the house, it's a whole different lifestyle. Try to imagine your life living in a cabin from wood with no electric, no heat. the floor is sand. put some rug from wool from the sheep, some beds, but the bed's not like today. two thousand dollars mattress. so you know the, the the store that they feed the horses those were the mattresses. This is where people were sleeping. you don 't have water in the house and no bathroom. You have to go to the bathroom at two a m you have to go cover yourself with a blanket, some, some forest in between the trees. Two a.m., freezing wind, snakes, scorpion, foxes in the middle of the night, coyotes, and I have to go to the bathroom. And you know what, excuse my language, there's no tissues. <laughs> it's not, uh, imagine life. There's no showers. There's no cosmetic like today. There is no hair salon. There is no one to do your nail. It's a whole different life. You have to raise 15 kids in this environment. You have to go bring water from the well. You have to do laundry with your hands. There is no dryer. You have to hang the the laundry. Then you have to bring it. Sometimes it falls, it gets wet. You have to redo it, you have to go to the lake again. To do it, you have to cook, but you don't have uh, a $5,000 Viking oven, microwave. What do you cook? You have to bring pieces of wood, make a hole in the ground, throw it in, put some oil in it, light the fire 50 times until the fire starts, and then you have a big primitive bowl like this, you put it in, and some oil, and you begin to cook, and you have to wait for your husband to slaughter the goat, remove the skin, take off the head, clean all the inside, cut the meat. By the time you make a meal, you become seven years old from the agony. This was life, so women obviously didn't have time to be Talmideh Chachami, to come here, make notes, to press on a button, listen on YouTube. It was a different life. Women basically knew nothing. Most of them didn't even know how to read and write. Until, uh, what's her name, Was Sarah Schneider started, Bet Yaakov, no women got any education in the world, Jews and non-Jews. Women did not go to school. You know, there is an alacha if you wanna marry a girl, check who her brother's are. You wanna go on a shiduch, you're a yeshiva, 21, 22, they're offering you a girl now. You wanna know if the girl is good? Check who her brother's are. If they are bnei Torah, they go to a good yeshiva, see them with the Gemara, black hats, watch their eyes, down phone, Ah, very impressive family. Grab her. But if Heifer brothers, no Torah, no nothing, all they care about is real estate, cars, vacation, this, they dress like goyim, you know, tons of jail, ponytail. I don't have to tell you what kind of guys we're talking about. Stay away from this girl, is that fair? That's prejudicing. That's, uh, excuse my language, it's orderly, avil. It's not fair. Today doesn't apply, don't worry. Why? Back then, the only way that the girl would be a kosher girl, if she has uh, kosher brothers. Because they come home with the Gemara, they sit and learn. There's nothing else to do. There's no Xbox. There is no cars to drive around. No basketball court, no gym. None of this nonsense. So a guy comes home, 5, 6, 10 a.m., a p.m., what is he gonna do? He sits home and learns what he learns with the with Rebbe in cheder. The girls are listening to Torah in the house. They learn halachot, they learn halachot in Shulchan Shabbat. They teach them how to read, how to write. So by the time they come to age, uh, back then it was 12, 13, today it's 20, to 21, okay. By the time she's mature to get married, she already have enough knowledge to raise kids, to teach them Torah, to go with the homework with them, to do something. So if she has uh, brothers that are Pnei Torah, grab her, because she's probably a very righteous girl. She had good teachers in the house. And if her brothers work in the field, or shepherds, they don't learn, they themselves don't know how to read and write, like many people used to be, what is she going to be? She's, she's going to be a mother, she doesn't know anything, she can read, she can't even read tihilin. she can in. What kind of a girl you want? Today, Baruch Hashem, with the help of the yeshivas for girls and seminaries, some girls are much bigger than guys. Some girls go to a Shiduch, and they say to me, I'm sorry, this guy is an insult to my intelligence. I so say, why? So I know Gemara more than him. I mean, from what I learned, I know Tanakh, I know He doesn't know, Al-Khot. He doesn't know what to make bracha first, this, that. I see, that is a I So what well, he's in yeshiva for a few years. I'm sorry, yeah, but I, try, I promise you, I know more Torah than him. A girl like this, if she has bad brothers, she has to suffer? No, she's great. She nothing to do with her brothers today. So here is an example of bracha, who used to be relevant, but now when girls go to school, they are not depend on their brothers. Therefore, you don't have to check who the brothers are. Of course, you prefer that the girls come from a good family, obviously. But she, her level of righteousness is not depending on the level of her brothers. So there's an argument now, who was greater, King David or King Hizkiah? King Chris who stuck the sword in a Bet midrash, and said anyone who would not learn Torah will be stepped to death. According to the Torah, if someone is Amaharetz, he doesn't want to learn Torah. Leave me alone, Abba, I'm, I don't like Torah. Leave me alone, I don't want to learn. I want to work, take me to the business, I'm a good salesman. Someone like that deserve a death penalty? No, it doesn't deserve according to the Torah. In time of Sanhedrin, someone refused to come to learn Torah. Okay, an Amaharetz, everyone knows, he's ignorant. But there is no death penalty for someone like that. Michal El is is death penalty. Either worship idols, is that penalty. All kinds of sins in the Torah, unfortunately, murdering, it's that penalty. But not to be a Talmit Chachan is not that penalty. So how all of a sudden the king come and take a sword? Anyone who will not learn Torah will chop his head off. What's going on here? The answer is the king is above the law. Just like here, the president can go above the Congress or to veto something or anything like that. Or the president in Israel can pardon uh, people in jail for life. He can release them. There has to be an authority that is above the court. Sanhedrin is a court of 71 Chachamim. Sometimes some prophets were there. But the king is above them. The king can make a decree on his own now. He says, you know what, there are too many thieves. I don't like it. People starting to steal. We didn't have that before. So I'm announcing the next thief will catch. I'll chop his head off. People get scared. Nobody wants to die. The Torah doesn't say to kill thieves. They have to pay double. They stole a thousand. They have to pay two thousand and they go home. There's an extreme difference between paying double to getting killed. But, if I see now there are thousands of thieves in the last month, in the land, it becomes a pandemic. I want to stop it. People are not afraid. What works, only fear. So I announce, anyone who will steal next time and we catch him, he'll be dead right away. That's it. He can do it. Same thing over here. King Hiski also, people are not serious in learning Torah. He decided, I'll make sure every boy in a Jewish nation will be a Talmid Chacham. It's not going to be a ma'aratzot of So anyone who will be caught not learning Torah will be put to death. And everybody had to learn Torah. The yeah. every six years old boy was already a Talmid Chacham. Six years old. I mean, yes, six years old on those days, it's not six years old of today. You see your grandmothers in Syria, (coughs) they got married 11, 12, 13, 16, 17 was already an old lady. (laughs) It was a different world, same thing in Iran, same thing in Lebanon, same thing in Iraq, same thing in Morocco, and even in Ashkenaz. This is the way it used to be. Today a girl that get married before 18, it would look very strange, come on, she's a little baby, you rush her to get married. The idea is that people are not mature as, they, uh, mature as they used to be. Also with the kids today. A kid bar mitzvah today is ready to be a man, to be a tzaddik. He may know Torah, he may know some gemara, mishnayot, but he's not mature. But a few generations ago, 13 was already a father. was already, you know, married. He was expecting any, any minute a baby. People were much more mature. Because remember, they didn't have the nonsense of today in their life. They raised them different. They made them very mature. You go to Africa, they're still in a very primitive world. Kids are 16, already like 40 here. Even in Israel, when, go, when guys go to the army, by the time they finish the army 21, they are 10 times more mature than American kids here. You can see from the conversation, why? Because they have no choice, they must become a mature. Otherwise, you know, the country will not survive. So, about T'ai, the Rambam writes in chapter 10, first halacha, that women and children and men that is ignorant, meaning in Torah, the way to make them follow Hashem and to be righteous, it's with fear. If you do it, you'll get a reward. If you don't do it, You'll be, you get a punishment. Right, or oh, everyone say, come on, but that's not a great way to serve Hashem. Everything is reward and punishment. What is this, a business? So the Rambam says that uh, a person should not really serve his father Hashem, worship Hashem out of fear or because of the reward. Because he's afraid to lose his Olam haba or because he wants Olam haba. Because he's afraid to get the curses of the Torah in his life. Or because he wants to get the blessing of the Torah. This is a low level. That's the level of women, children, and ame'a Why? Because they don't learn Torah. If they would learn Torah 10, 15 hours a day, like Bachur Yeshivot, they wouldn't need fear. They wouldn't need to calculate. They would already be in heaven in this world, going out of their mind from love to Hashem. Because the Torah is so sweet. It's so unbelievable and makes the soul so happy. So when you're in the highest level of attachment to Hashem, you need to worry about what if I'll do this and that, Hashem is going to punish me. No, you're way above it. But people that don't learn Torah, what language they understand? You take a little child. If you dive in good, I'll give you ice cream. He is good. He says, if you give me ice cream, I dive in good again. No, this time, no ice cream. He doesn't want to dive in. Why? That's the language he understands. Four years old. Six years old. So what we learn from here? Today, today, take all the men in the world. Anywhere you want. America, Israel, Europe. Anywhere you want. If you take a thousand men, religious men. Religious men. I'm not talking about secular men. Put a thousand men in a line. How many of them according to the Torah is considered to be a Chacham? Talmid Chacham, how many out of a thousand? If we're lucky, one. I was going
1: to say that.
0: One, one out of a thousand. The Tosfot, the grandson of Rashi, almost 900 years ago, they write in the Gemara. They say, thousand people going to the bet Midrash, into the Yeshiva, one become a Talmid Chacham. This was almost 900 years ago. Don't get me wrong. According to Tosfot, the Talmid Chacham is beyond any understanding you have. There were many other Chachamim that every one of them will be the chief rabbi of the world today, but they're not considered Talmid Chachamim. Talmid Chacham means that any question you ask him, in any topic, there are tens of thousands of topics, and each topic is extremely complicated. You can learn months to understand the whole sugya. Every question you ask, immediately he knows right away what to do, what not to do. Every alacha, every gemara, every rashi, every tosfot, every argument between the chachamim, he you knows all the shittot, in conversion, in nida, svaradim, ashkenazim, temanim, everything. Right away. Without telling, you, give me three days, I'll look in the books. Maybe I'll find the answer. That's not a Talmud. How many like this you have in the world? Yeah, Ravovadi Arsene, Rav, Rav Ben-Zion, Abba Shaul, Rav Ozner, Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Yeah, you can count on two or oh, five hands. How many like this we have in our generation? Those are considered Talmud. Everyone else is considered Amarets or partially Amarets. But in comparison to the generation, they look like such big chachamim, you know, chacham, chacham, chacham. This chacham couldn't serve tea in the yeshiva of the Rambam. To get to serve tea, you would have to pass some tests that will allow you to even enter the yeshiva. You know, I want to tell you something. The Gaon Mivilna, you heard about him? The Gaon Mivilna was not just a chacham. It was beyond any understanding. He wrote the Torah in reverse. 304,805 letters in reverse. I cannot write my cell phone number in reverse. It's 10 digits. <laughs> it would take me a minute to figure it out. The whole Torah in reverse. His brain was some kind of a mega computer. And he learned all his life nonstop. Maximum an hour and a half per 24 hours he was asleep. But not straight. Half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. That's what his life. After 50 years he didn't see his sister, finally she found him. 50 years, he didn't see her sister. Last time he saw her, she was a little girl. And now she's an older lady. He got up for less than a minute. I'm so happy you're alive, how was your life? Everything good? I'm great, I wish you all the best, I bless you. We will meet in Ulamabad, there's no time to waste. Goodbye. Imagine now you meet your sister came from Syria after 50 years. Wow, the party would be in a community. Ah, David Shiru and all the Chazanim and all the Chachamin come to give speeches. One week of food. Ah, the whole community is, you know, rocking here. Wow, we finally, my sister finally came after 50 years. They didn't have time. So they asked the student, Rav Chaim they asked him, uh, Rabbi, your Rebbe, the Gaon Mivina, if he lived in the time of the Gemara, in the time of the Tanaim, the time of the Amoraim, would he be considered as something special? I <laughs> well, remember this is his Rabbi, who he admired the most in the world. He said to them, uh, absolutely not. He would not count at all as anything somebody like this with such a brain, in the time of the Tanaim, which read Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Yohanan, he would not count as anything in their time. Maybe, maybe, a few times he said, maybe, 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 he would be able to get accepted to the yeshiva of the Ramban, which was 750 years ago, 500 years before the time of the Gaoni Vilna. Meaning even not, I can't even promise that the Ramban would accept him to his yeshiva. Gaon Mivilna. Now I promise you one thing. If you take all the rabbis in the world and put them on a scale on one side, and you put the Gaon Mivilna on the other side, is greater than all of them combined. And he maybe would not make it to the yeshiva of the Ramban. So imagine who was the Ramban. And the Ramban would not make it to the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva. So imagine who was Rabbi Akiva. Do you get to understand who are these names? What you... does that
1: mean for our
0: future? It means for our future.
1: that.
0: <laughs> okay, It's a very good question what you're asking. Your question was answered by the Ariya Kadosh. You heard the I went to the
1: synagogue, yeah. Very good. So
0: he lived 500 years ago, the Arya Kadosh. And the Ariya Kaldo said to his student, Rabbi Chaim Vital, which was Syrian and is buried in Syria, he told him that uh, you should know that in this generation, one little mitzvah counts like a huge mitzvah in the past generation. Right? Because Hashem knows the level of the people. The challenges. Today the world is so filthy. So much dirt everywhere. People are not dressed the mind of the people is totally corrupted. Almost, almost no one knows the right Jewish Ashkafa. That's why I always say in my lectures, because I want to save people, because they don't understand what Ashkafa means, that they must read all the books of Rav Avigdor Miller. Should be your life mission. If you read all the books of Rav Avigdor Miller, you're gonna come to the next world. Oh in
1: the highest level.
0: He's our best friend. He's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Why? Because he was the most perfect in Ashkafa, in Jewish ideology, that we had in our generation. There are many huge Chachamim and Holy and Tzadikim that are great in Halakha and Poskim Gdolim, but the treasure that Rav Victor Miller left in his lifetime about Jewish Ashkafa questions and answers, how to review every subject in life, children, American government, 4th and July, Thanksgiving, Israeli army, Israeli wicked government, gay parade, gay marriage, uh, anything you can think of. There is not one topic he did not cut through the chest and gave the answers to every dilemma and every doubt we had. Therefore, now you know everything. You have no excuses. He <laughs> basically answered every, by the way, all the questions that were 30 years ago relevant 100% today. It's unbelievable how you read in his questions and answer things that you wouldn't believe that 30 years ago even existed, but they actually existed. So we're lucky that we had the rabbi in our generation that answer all these questions for us. And the good thing about him was that he was totally not politically correct. Everyone else is, is afraid to talk. And let's say in my community, I don't want to upset anyone. The rich people maybe will stop supporting the community. People get angry. I may get fired by the board. You know, there's a lot of calculations here. Some of these calculations, unfortunately, there is really no way out of it. For instance, a rabbi can tell you, look, I can give musar like you. You're not the rabbi of the shul. I'm gonna speak like you two, three, four times, and what do you think is gonna happen? The board's gonna fire me, and they'll bring some modern uh, you know, crooked one from the university, what I call the university rabbi, and what is he gonna turn the community to? A bunch of clowns. At least I prevent 20% from what they wanna do. If they'll kick me out, that 20% will also go down the drain. That's 100%, it's a solid argument. But what is the solution? To bring outsiders to give speeches. Okay, you don't want to do the dirty job, because you don't want your community to get upset. You don't want them to leave. You don't want fights between the modern and the more street. Okay, understand all this. Why don't you bring big figures to come and give a strong musar at least once a week to wake up the people, modesty about honesty in a business, about Shabbat, about the Torah, about how to raise children, about Shalom bayit in a marriage, about Jewish Ashkafa, what's going on? I mean, you're afraid? Okay, bring someone else to do the job. So they get angry, at that someone. But they're not gonna come to you to complain. I have a friend, he was a rabbi of a shul somewhere in New York. He told me, I want you to come give a speech about modesty to the girls. They come not modest to the show. It drives me crazy from what I see over there. I say to him, everything I know, you know double. So why don't you give this this speech? So you know what would happen if I give such a speech? I won't be able to look at them after that. They'll they'll get so angry. They look at it as a personal attack against them. They don't want to hear Musa. So I say, okay, so if I come, it will be the same reaction. Say, okay, they'll they'll say you're crazy. They'll come to me the next day. How did you bring this lunatic attack? And I'll say, I'm sorry, I don't know what he's going to talk about. But at least the, the message will pass for those who are searching for the truth. If 10% of them will change, I don't want to be guilty for that. in the end, I come in front of Hashem and say, you were a rabbi of a community for 10 years and not one woman came out to the shul in your time and you did nothing about that. What's going on here? The rabbi of the community is responsible for how his shepherd is responsible for where his sheep goes. So, but you have to be very clever, I, believe me, I understand the rabbis of every shul and everywhere in America, everywhere in Israel, I understand the challenges they have to go through. They have people in the community that the boy has to go up to the Torah and is not even Jewish, because of all kinds of fake conversions. it's questionable conversion. Imagine the poor rabbi has to decide now what to do because the father donates money, and you have to be grateful to the family, they contribute and now his wife maybe is not Jewish But Hashem by the Syrian you don't have this problem because they don't accept converts I don't know, eighty-nine years ago the big rabbis of the Syrian decided since there are too many conversions that are questionable all kinds of non-Jewish girls want our boys because they're nice and smart and handsome and rich and we realized that that's not real it's not for the sake of heaven they made a decree No conversion, no one is allowed. That's it, you want? Go somewhere else. Here, no conversion. You want to find a girl to convert? Take her somewhere else, not in our communities, not in Mexico, not in America. They close the door. Why? The Torah say it's a big mitzvah to make converts. 36 times it appears in the Torah to respect them, not to deceive them, to accept them, to welcome them, to teach them, so many things in the Torah about this. The Gmaras say, One of the reasons Hashem scattered the Jews in all the nations is to show the world about God and Judaism that many of these Goim would convert to Judaism. So you see that Hashem is happy that the Goim converts. But that's only if everything works perfectly. Once you begin to see that it becomes mashara business, <laughs> you don't know anymore who is Jewish and who is not, forget about it. You have to make a fence. you don't accept, and that's what saves basically the community. Without that decree, probably it wouldn't be the community today. It would be a whole mess. But some communities, you know, like for instance, people that came to Israel from certain countries, you don't know about any one of them if he's Jewish or not. You don't know. There's no way to know. Why? They got mixed, no one was keeping track and who's Jewish and who's not. They don't know anymore. Now imagine your rabbi of a shul, they bring you some boy, you have to give him aliyah for the Torah, make him bar mitzvah, and there's 80% chance he's not even Jewish. Mm-hmm. And you have to be diplomatic. What are you going to tell the father your kid is a going? It's very hard to be today, you know. Sometimes you have to go comfort the family of a big rasha. And according to the Torah, you're not allowed to see shiva on him. But you have to be the rabbi of the shul. You have to be politically correct. It's, believe me, it's an impossible mission. Impossible mission. But we try as much as we can. There's no no chance to succeed hundred percent. No chance. Rabbi Victor Miller, He said the rabbis of Brooklyn loves me very much. Do you know why? He asked. He had a small shul. Someone like that should have a shul fifty thousand people. It's a legend. No one in the world is so interesting like him. No one. But he had a very small shul. And he made a joke about it. Sad joke. He said, the rabbis of Brooklyn loves me very much. Every time I give my weekly musar speech, half of my congregation get up and leave. <laughs> they move to other, more modern places. Why? They don't want to hear the they don't want to hear about modesty. They don't want to hear about Torah. They don't want to hear about donations. They don't want to hear about these things. They don't want. They want to live their weight. When I come and just push it to their face, they can handle the truth. So they run away. <laughs> when you announce that a comedian will come to the community, how many people come? A thousand people. Sushi, Chinese, sponsors are waiting online to give checks. If you will announce that Rav Avigdor Miller, if he was alive, will come to the community, well, today, Baruch Hashem, maybe more, but back in his time, 35 people would show up. The biggest legend in the world, 30, 40 people. Some comedian Amarets who doesn't even know how to read and write. A thousand people come, clap, share the videos, Why? Right? People want to hear the truth. No, they want to hear jokes. They also want to hear how great they are. Everyone wants to hear how great he is, but what happens if he's not great? It's false compliments. Do you want to live in illusion, or you want to know exactly where you stand in the eyes of Hashem? You know those who come and say Hashem loves you? Hashem loves all Jews, there's nothing to worry about. If you only know how much Hashem loves you, what about this statement? What do you think about it? You buy it or no?
1: Yes. yes. You buy it? Yes.
0: You, everyone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. agree with that?
1: women. Yeah. Oh. Women have to do a little. Oh,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> All of you can contradict the Rambam. Who knows better, me, you, or the Rambam? The Rambam is the top authority in Jewish law. Ninety percent of the Shulchan Aruch is like the Rambam. So
1: he doesn't love
0: us? Of course not. <laughs> some he <laughs> does. Some he <laughs> doesn't. Does he does love
1: me?
0: Does Hashem <laughs> <laughs> love Bernie <Perry laughs> Sanders? Well, no. I,
1: uh, I, like I ask no. Does
0: Hashem love all Jews? No. Does he love Bernie Sanders?
1: Does he love Yair Lapid? Does he
0: love Avigdor, Mil- he Avigdor uh, uh, What's his name? The Russian one. Lieberman. Does he love this kind of people who wants to burn the Torah? If you give them a torch and tell them to burn the Torah for free they'll do it. With no hesitation. Does he love this kind of Jews? Does he love all the liberals who demonstrate right now for the Hamas in Tel Aviv? Yes.
1: Here is a perfect example. These
0: idiots, these fools, wicked traders. No, 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 not Satmer.
1: Don't make that mistake.
0: Satmer is Satmer and Neturei Karta is a complete different thing. Satmer, the Rabbi from Satmer just spoke against them. What
1: is it? Neturei, was? Neturei,
0: was? Neturei Karta in Aramic means the keepers of the land. These people, they hate the Zionist government. They hate communism. They hate what the wicked Israeli government from the time of Herzl they were all wicked. They wanted Israel to be a state of goyim. They don't want Shabbat, they don't want yeshivot, they don't want synagogues. they don't want mikveh. they don't want kosher food. They want all Jews to be goyim. That was their dream. They're not hiding it, it's all over their books. As a result of that, the Satmer movement, used to be at that time, Rav Yoel Misatmer, seventy, eighty years ago. He was very zealous to Hashem, very holy rabbi, stick to the truth, you know, like Pinchas in those days, this is the way it was, the, the first Rebbe from Satmer, he fought them to, to the end. But what is the point was, he already saw how they taking millions of innocent, naive Jews and turning them into goyim, in the way they think, in the way they behave, in the way they dress, wow. in what they teach the kids in school, 100% goyim. Because he saw what, what Holocaust, spiritual Holocaust, they're going to bring to the Jewish nation, he fought those Zionists to the maximum of his ability. The problem now is that we are already three generations later. It's a whole different world now. There's really no more Zionists. The Israeli government, all these reshaim that hates the Torah, they are wicked, but they're not Zionists. They don't even know what Zionism means none of them read one book about Zionism they do not know about the plans of all these Zionists hundred years ago they don't know what Zionism is ask every guy in Tel Aviv every Rasha that hates the Torah can you define Zionism? he has no idea what it is he just hates religion that's the way they raise him so going back to so what's Neturei Karta? Neturei Karta also hated but they went one step further which was a huge mistake they lost everything they say, since we hate the Zionists so much and they're so weakened and they murder so many Jewish souls and turn them all to Mechalelei Shabbat, we should support Iran, Hamas, Arafat, people that fight them and kill them. How many of, pe- of them, pe- of them there are there? A few hundreds, I believe, in the whole world. A few hundreds of them. So that's already stupid. There's one thing you hate the Reshaim that wants to promote Chilulei Shabbat and gay parades. And all kinds of horrible education to the Jewish kids. Okay. You do not you don't have to accept such behaviour. But to go and hug Iran and to to say Kaddish for Arafat and to stand in Manhattan with flags, show the world that you support Iran and support Hamas, you gotta be out of your mind. So I wanna tell you a secret that not that many people knows. They get millions of dollars from that not already, it's not only ideology. They hate Israel, they hate the Israeli army, they hate Zionism, but they get millions of dollars from Iran. When the Israeli went into the office of Yasser Arafat in Mahshimo, they found tons of canceled checks that he wrote to Neturei Karta. Thousands of dollars, lots of money, I don't know, tens of dollars. They show all the checks that he was giving them. So when you hate a state, and the enemy of that state gives you millions of dollars to stand with the flags on the streets of Manhattan Don't be surprised why they do it But there are mukts now everywhere, no show let them in They can't it anywhere, if they come to Satmer they throw them out Anywhere, in Antwerp, in here, everywhere I go they don't let them in That's it, they target them as, a, as traders So they have to make their own minyanim one of them, they burned his house in Monsi, like 15 years ago. A week later, the house was back there. Iran sent a million dollars, <laughs> he built it. all the ones. Yeah, they have nothing to be afraid of. They get a lot, you know what PR it is for Iran and for Hamas to show you that people that look Hasidish are demonstrating for the Palestinians? I don't have to tell you the PR here. So Rabotai. Thank you. All of you Contradicted the Rambam But I'm sure you didn't understand my question There are people that Hashem loves Jews and non-Jews And there are people that Hashem hates And everyone who tells you otherwise Is misleading you It's written in the Torah So many places For instance you say when you dive in? What do you say? Shomer Hashem et kol Avav, kol If Hashem loves them, why to destroy them? You say it three times a day, or two times a day, or one time a day, but you say it at least once a day, no? For years. What do you just announce? Hashem will keep and guard all his, thank you, all his lovers, and will destroy all the wicked. Why? If Hashem loves every Jew, why should he destroy them? Why? Because they are wicked. We are not talking about uh, T'inok'sh'nishbah. You know this wow, expression? So that's
1: us. So that's
0: us? <laughs> <okay. laughs> sorry. Thank you for clarifying. We all have yeshiva education. Regga, regga, is someone that grew up 100% like a goy. I don't know, in Siberia, in some kibbutz, in Minnesota, in middle of nowhere. His parents did not put him in yeshiva. He doesn't even know anything about God, about Torah, about Shabbat. About... Some of them don't, do not even—they were not even circumcised. Some Russian Jews—they don't know anything from their life. People like these are not criminals. They're considered to be anusim. You can even count them as one of the ten in a Minyan. Even they are mechalel Shabbat. They eat pork. They eat cheeseburger. They eat on Yom Kippur because they grew up like Goyim and they have no idea, never heard in their life about Torah. If you need 10th person, you just tell them whenever you hear everyone say Amen, answer Amen. But for instance, the Prime Minister of Israel, you cannot count him in a minyan. If you have nine people, you cannot take out the Torah. He needs M'challel Shabbat and he knows very well there is a God, he knows there is such a thing Torah and he knows there is such a thing Shabbat. He heard about it 50,000 times but he chose to eat lobsters in London in front of the camera. That's Rasha Merushah, that's not an innocent inokshemishba. They know exactly, Rashi said, there are three things that makes you nutted inokshemishba. One, you understand the world as a creator. Every fool understands that. Do you know one person that will claim that this cup was made by itself? Find me that fool. Besides the professors in Harvard, that say that the world was made from a random explosion, hmm. like they believe it. Of course, nobody believes this nonsense. But even that cup that costs one cent, everybody knows it was designed by someone. Look at the parallel lines. Something like this can never happen from a random explosion. Where the material came from? How did he know to sh- shape up together in such a symmetric way? Come on, let's not be that stupid. So everyone knows the world as a creator. They not just don't know who he is, but there is a creator. Step one, everyone, mark a check, check. Second one, you need to hear at least once in your life, there is such a claim that God gave the Torah to the Jewish nation. That's it, one time. I don't know where you heard that, on the news, in a book, on a newspaper, your neighbor, your friend, your cousin. One time, your secular Jew, completely grew up, not religious. But you heard about the claim that God gave a book to the Jewish nation. It's enough. Now you check the second box. And the third condition is that you heard that there is a special day in Judaism called Shabbat. You don't know what it is. You don't know the thirty-nine restriction of Shabbat. You don't know what Muktai is. You don't know why Hashem chose the seventh day. You don't know anything. But you know... There is such a day Shabbat and some Jews follow that special day, that's all, Rashi, not me, Rashi says, if you know there is a creator to the world, you know there is such a thing Torah, and you know there is such a thing Shabbat, it can never be in Right there you have 99% of the secular people that they are not in Shemishba. If you may say, but it's not fair, they're not like us. We got Jewish education, we went to yeshiva, our grandparents were religious. We had some connection. They didn't have connection. So what? We have more than a million Baal who didn't have any connection. You know how many people became religious in the last 30 years? And they grew up 100% like goyim in Tel Aviv, in Bat Yam, on the beach. You know, or in New York, anywhere. They didn't know anything from their life and become religious. Why? They came to check. You have common sense. You heard there is such a thing as God. You heard there is a special divine book. And you heard there is such a special day Shabbat and you don't come to check. It's all on you. So, Rabotai, don't be naive. Not everyone who doesn't know so much about Judaism is Anus. Some people choose not to know. Do you know how many people told me? I, I asked him, You came one time, why you don't come anymore? said, I'm afraid to come. Two, three more times I come, you'll make me religious. I'm afraid. He doesn't want to come. Why? Because he already feels that soon he's going to feel so guilty, he won't be able to break Shabbat. He's going to have to close his business, he's going to have to change his lifestyle. Or she heard about modesty, she's not interested to be modest, so she doesn't want to hear it again. Because, every time I come, it's like you're putting a knife in my heart and turn it for an hour and a half. I don't sleep for a week after that. Why should I come? I'm not a masochist. But these, these people are, excuse my language, they're very foolish. Because when you're trying to run away from the reality, in the end, it's like someone who drinks uh, drink with poison and say, I, I don't believe in the poison. What do you mean you don't believe? It's poison, I'm telling you there's poison in the, in the, in the water. I don't accept it. I don't believe, you don't believe? I don't believe cigarettes kills. I don't believe, okay, don't believe, and you will lose 10 years of your life. You get the point now? Now I want to ask you one question.
1: I want to
0: ask you one question. Before I I read your question. Why can Chris Kiyahu stuck the sword in the bet Midrash, in the Yeshiva, and not on the beach of Tel Aviv. You should have gone to where the wicked people are, not to where the righteous people are. If you wanna now publish Torah and the importance of learning Torah, where do you go? You go to the middle of the Yeshiva, in Dil or in Lakewood, or in Mansi or in Yerushalayim, or you go to Tel Aviv, to Haifa, to King's Highway, when the people walk in the street without kippah. What was it like mm-hmm. back then? No, <laughs> but back then you didn't have people without k- kisui or tzitzit. Everyone, you know, it was every, everyone was religious. The idea was to make everyone talmid chacham. Right. I'm just Shomer Shabbat. Right. So he saw there is a market, and there are people who don't come to learn Torah. He knew who they are. They don't come to the yeshiva. They opened their boot in the morning. They have the booth in, the, in the market. All day, they, until until it gets dark. There was no electric. Around 6, 7 in the evening, they close the booth. That's why we light Hanukkah candle when it gets dark. Why? Because that's where everyone comes home. It's not so like today, you have electric, you can open the store until midnight.
1: So why do people who know yeshiva,
0: why? So why did he come to the yeshiva to stick the yeah, soul? Why didn't go to those who don't come to yeshiva? You should have gone to them.
1: Maybe because he wanted to show that Hashem gave him to do it.
0: The answer is, rabotai, the answer is who, sh- who you can give musa to someone that does not appreciate the Torah, doesn't care about the Torah, does not evaluate the Torah, does not evaluate the Chachamim, the rabbis, or to someone that sits in Yeshiva, he knows Hashem, he knows the Chachamim, he knows the value of the Torah, but he is neglecting his mission. Who should you start with? Later, you move to the rest of the nation, of course, but where do you start when the general of the army has to rebuke the army? Who does he start with? With all the generals, with the top pilots, with the people that the army needs the most, not with the driver and the person who sells wafers <laughs> to the soldiers or the cook that make omelets. How much you can make them greater? He's going to make the omelet a little bit tastier. Baruch Hashem. You start with the heads. Then you go to the next level and the next level. So that's it. So let's see what you have a question. not a Torah
1: question. It's
0: just tied into what you said before. Why can't the Israeli government say thank God. First of all, I have news for you. Recently, they started to say, thank God. Mm-hmm. Even Bibi, in, in, speech, even Bibi in interviews, in front of cameras, official, not official, doesn't matter. He see a phone in his face. People are filming, and he goes right away viral, viral on WhatsApp. He said, we will win, Bezrat Hashem, we will win. He's a believer. He knows there is a God. You know how many times people come to me, I want you to speak to my cousin, to my friend. Who are they? It claims he's an atheist. Do you buy this scam? Do you think the world has one atheist? There's no atheist person in the world. Those people who come to me and say I'm an atheist, after a minute they ask me, where was God in the
1: Holocaust? Just
0: a minute ago you said there's no God, and now you're asking where was he in the Holocaust. Okay, so now you you have criticism against that God. But you acknowledge his existence, if you criticize someone, you acknowledge his power. <laughs> if you didn't acknowledge he exists, who are you criticizing? The heir? No,
1: Rabbi, there's definitely
0: heretics. Heretics is one different thing. Heretics means I'm challenging the, the no, principles. No. I'm challenging the principles. But to, to say there is no creator to the world, you don't have one person in the world who believes in it. If you don't trust me, go to Sloan Cradering for a visit. Take with you one religious man with a black hat, and walk there in the hallway and see what happened. I did it. Every guy over there ran to me, Rabbi, Rabbi, can you come bless my father? Go So I'm Jewish. Yeah, I know. You're man of God. Come make a pray for my father, for my mother. In the hospitals, everyone is very religious. Also, when you go to the war, one general now said two weeks ago. He said in his speech, "When we go to the world, to the war, we are all extremely religious." The question that I have for this general, with all due respect. You should have been much more religious when you come back from the war. Mm. Not just when you go to the war. Mm -hmm. But when he goes to the war is the fear. So I know, God, I need your help. I mean, I know, I know. There's no guarantee I'll come back. So because I need your help and I know I'm worthless on my own and I need your help and supervision, so I'm religious right now. You know what it's like? One person had to have a meeting at 9 a.m. in Manhattan. He drives with his car, he looks for parking in the street. And it's already 10 to nine. And this is Chinese buyer or Japanese buyer, they're waiting already in the office, you know, they come on time. And this guy, wow, where can I find parking? No parking, wow, five minutes. Hashem, let's make a deal. Mm -hmm. If you find me now parking, then I'll make it to nine o'clock meeting. I promise you, I will put Phil in every day. And a second later, someone pulls out. That's okay, I managed.
1: Never mind. <laughs> it's okay, I managed.
0: That's the story of the, of the people. Before, when they need the help, they know how very much to promise, to make pledges. I'll donate, I will sponsor, read for me, I'll do for me. I promise you, if I win the case, one guy was sued for 10 million dollars by someone. He came to me, he said to me, listen, I want you to pray for me and make all your lecture for my uh, success. I am going to appeal my case. I want you to know in advance, the chance to win an appeal in the United States, it's 2%. That means from every 50 cases, one wins the appeal. 49, it remains the same. Also, in the appeal, sometimes it can get worse. The other side can say it didn't get enough. We ask to add more to his, his punishment. So it's both ways. Sometimes dangerous to appeal. Are ah, you appealing? We will show you. So he said to me, I promise you, that if I will win the appeal, I'm planning, I'm planning to give $7 million to Tzedakah. Meaning I'm gonna keep free and give $7 million to Tzedakah. And you, with your wonderful work, and I made all his family religious. All his boys the girls, every one of them. And he acknowledged it. He said, my kids are crazy about you. You know how much ah, they love you, but you changed their entire life. Dog. I promise you that if I win the appeal, I'm gonna give seven million and most of it will go to your peer of walk. Not only I pray for him, I killed myself for this guy. I also took him to my rabbi in Israel, which is top, 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 top in Kabbalah. What's
1: his name? <laughs> he doesn't He's like to be on famous. Trip, isn't
0: he? he doesn't like to be famous and he doesn't want me to send him anyone. Doesn't want. I Ooh. told him, listen, a lot of people they need help. They will help you financially. They give nice, generous donation. You know, American donations. Just
1: give us initials.
0: Don't send me Just anyone. We
1: give <laughs> you money. It
0: distract my mind from the
1: Torah.
0: <laughs> oh. I rather be poor and learn Torah in my life. So anyway, I took him to him. He gave him bracha, and his works. I've seen people that didn't have kids for fourteen years. I forced him to accept them. Three months later, prime. Wow. So, because he's such a devoted person to Torah, Nirachamaim, he was learning twelve years to have been seen Abba Shaul every day for hours. So what do you expect? You have the best teacher in the world. This is what you become. I took him to him. He gave him a great bracha and he said, I'm gonna do it for you every day. And he won the appeal. And how much he gave me? Not even one cent. He, oh my gosh not even one cent did he give to others? I don't know but to me nothing this is the nature of the people you know how many thousands of times people told me Abba, I wish I have money now I'm working on some deal if I will make it I'm gonna give to anything you tell me and as soon as they make it they forget who I am why? when they promise did they mean it or not? yes 100% if you connect them to a light detector, when he say Rabbi, I'm working on a deal, it's a five million dollar deal. I'm going to give 10 percent, half a million dollars. I commit to your care of work. Once they, come, they do the deal, they ignore. they're not even talking to you. They forgot like you even spoke. Why is it? When they actually made the promise, they 100 percent meant it because they didn't have yet sirrah. Because they didn't have the money, it's not actual. There was no existence. The real Jew wants to give to save souls. The real Jew wants to make people religious, wants to make Hashem happy, wants to spread Torah everywhere. That's the real Jew. But the Satan is like a leech. No. Oh why why you give you can buy yourself another vacation home with this money Why you so naive why you give satan but the satan doesn't do it before the money comes to his end only once it's become actual the satan jump and begin to drive him crazy this is the way it is how that they cheated no they really meant it that's why i always smile when they day, if I'm going to make money, you just tell me where to send. <laughs> I'm laughing. I've been in that movie for 30 years.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, my uncle, Allah Shalom, he was working in a company that sells refrigerators, Israeli company. It's called Amco. Did you ever hear about it? Amco. They're already no longer alive. <laughs> My uncle was working there about 30 or 40 years. Now, just before he retired, he has two months for his retirement. He came to Rabbin Zion Abba Shaul and he said to him, Rabbi, I'm getting retirement money in two months. The money that I'm going to get will be enough to buy an apartment in a city of Ramleh. Ramleh is not one of the greatest places, a lot of Arabs there, Jews and Arabs, it's not such a rich place, you know, an average. The money is going to get, it's enough to buy a full apartment, no mortgage. But if I would like to buy an apartment in Jerusalem, it's exactly double on a price. So the money I'm going to get will be for half of the apartment. The rest, I'm going to have to take a mortgage. But I will be retired. I won't have any more salary. What should I do? Should I move to a very religious neighborhood in Jerusalem, the family of Baalei Shuvah, Or I should buy an apartment in Ramleh with no mortgage. Abben Sion say to him, come back to me when you have the money in your hand. Mm. My uncle almost dropped dead. Ma, For the love. What, you see I'm not getting the money? What, they're gonna trick me? Because they know that Rav Ben-Ziunah is Ruach HaKodesh. Ma, the, He got so nervous, I worked 40 years, this is the, the, the retirement of my life. Maybe they're not planning to give me the money, he got so nervous, he said, no, no, relax, you'll get the money. So my uncle was a wise guy. So he said to him, if that's the case, What difference does it make if you give me an answer now or in two months from now? So that'd be the same question and the same answer. Half an apartment in Jerusalem and commit to a mortgage with no income or an apartment in Ramleh without a mortgage. Yes or no, that's it, no? You know when he answered him, he'll never guess. He'll never guess. From here you understand what does it mean, a holy chacham. He said to him, right now it's a hypothetical question. It's not reality yet. When you will have the money in your hand, it will become an actual question. That's when Hashem will show me what to answer you. Right now it's a general question. It's not relevant. I cannot give you an answer for you the answer for you will be this way, and for this guy, a different answer. So right now, I can answer generally speaking. What's better? But it doesn't mean that it's good for you. But when you come to me with the money, then I will see what Hashem shows me. Meaning, You see that he had Ruach Otherwise, he would answer him and finish. What was the answer in the end? What, what would you guess? The, the one
1: that was not the rent
0: what not should rent. he do should he get an apartment in Yerushalayim and still no. have half of that mortgage no. No. or should he buy a full apartment in Ramleh with no commitment monthly commitment what was the answer Jerusalem, Jerusalem. No. see all of you are yeah. rabbis yeah. <laughs> Baruch Hashem the answer was an apartment in Yerushalayim and that answer saved him because now all his family became so religious Ah, Sadiqim, what they would be in Ramli. You know the difference. You live in a very religious neighborhood. The quality of the children compared to a very modern place is nothing to compare. If you're still not convinced about what I just said, I will urge you to do an experiment. Go anywhere in the world, any city you want in the world where Jews live there. Ask the people over there, what are my options as far as davening in Minyan, in shul. They will give you a few shuls, that synagogue, that synagogue, this one. Any synagogue they'll give you that it's not the yeshiva, go over there and see how people pray. And then go to the yeshiva of that town and see how people pray. Nothing to compare, it's like two different religions. Here, three minutes, five minutes, people with smartphone, short sleeves, that, nobody has hats. Right away, they want to go already, quickly, the chazan. <laughs> it's like a Ferrari. Hey, give us the time to breathe. We're in a rush. Time is money. Come to the shiva. everyone with jackets, hats. Pilate 18, 10 minutes, silence. No phone is ringing, no one touch a phone. Everyone stands in front of Hashem, shaking, with respect. What is the difference between those Jews to those Jews? The answer, the Torah. When you're inside Torah, you're in love with Hashem. You feel it. The obstacle between us and Hashem are removed temporarily, as long as we learn. As soon as you stop listening, you begin to fall down. What's the proof for that? We have guys in Monsi in Yeshiva. Four months they learned from Monique tonight, Monique, clean place, clean environment, no internet, no people, no pre-suit on the street. As soon as there is money, they come back here to Queens Highway or to Main Street in Queens. A week later, you find them in the street, already a whole different person. One week? That's it, you drop 60% in your spiritual level, of course. A person is a product of his environment. You live with the righteous, you will be forced to be righteous. You live with the wicked, you will be wicked. There's no other options. And all of you retailing daily, I'm sure. And what's the first verse in tailing right? You know, when someone comes to write a book and we will finish here and I'll give you more time for questions. When I come to write a book, I have to make sure that the first few pages of my book are killers to attract the attention of the readers. If it will be boring, the first three, four pages will be boring. What people will do, waste of time. But if I drop a bomb, they are dying. That's what they do with Hollywood, preview. They show you, I don't know, two, three minutes, and everybody has to see it. But if the preview is so boring, that means I have nothing to work, to show. To so David HaMelech wants to make a statement in the first verse of his book. That means that verse is extraordinary, it's extremely important. Why it's important? Because it tells you the story of life in one pasuk. Aish, asher lo lo yashav. David Amelech already tells you if you live with the clown you're going to be a clown you connect with the wicked you're going to be wicked a person has to know where to live what school to go to what school to send his children to you connect to positive people to a kosher rabbi To a strict Chacham, it changed your entire life and future in Ulam Abba. You go to a place of modern clowns, that's what you're gonna be. And nothing will help otherwise, nothing. Why? Because a person is a product of his environment. You see the Hamas, look, every one of them is a Nazi filthy murderer. How they became all like that? From age three. That's all they tell the kids. You're shayi, you're going to kill Jews. To say it, your dream, to kill Jews. You interview kids four or five years old. What's your dream? To kill Jews, to be a shayit. Do they have any other option? They don't know anything. That's what we live for. What is your entire life, Mr. Mustafa and Ahmed? I dream to kill Jews. That's it. you have nothing else in life? No. I just want to kill Jews and go to heaven for that. Go and try to convince him now that they brainwash his stupid head and he's going to the worst place in hell. No, good luck with that. Same thing with your child. You brainwash your child. Sometimes people come to me with divorce cases. Men come to cry to me about their soon-to-be ex-wife while they're in an ugly battle. And what do they do? They wanna stop the financial support child support, why should I pay for the rent, why should I pay for the mortgage, let her go find a job, you know, they're all the same macho statement, and usually stupid statement. So I say to them, it doesn't really matter, let's say you're right, let's say your wife is a witch, let's say she's evil, let's say she's ungrateful, let's say everything you say, okay, I have one question to you, she's going to have the kids, right, not you, you can go and retaliate and torture her and, and punish her and try to educate her and make her feel that now she doesn't have what she had. And what do you think she's gonna do? She's gonna turn your kids to hate you and at one point you'll be left alone in your life. Your kids won't wanna look at you. She has the power to poison the kids against you and that's worse than a billion dollars. If you try to save five ten thousand dollars a month, you fool do you know how much you will be willing to pay to reconnect with your kids everything you have for one heart from your son or your daughter they, your kids will hate you even if you're right assuming you're right you're 100 percent right she's the bad one she's evil she's ungrateful she's lazy she's everything needless to say when most of the cases is the other way around people just don't appreciate what they have but the idea is that you know in Israel once they had a commercial on the highway, on the road don't be right be smart you have the right to go first but some crazy egomaniac is about to cut you off stop, let him go first if not you'll be both dead no, I have to go first. You go first and you'll be dead. Mm-hmm. But I had the right. Mm-hmm. Now you have to go to court, lawyers, lawsuits. Yes, you can be right and be dead. Mm-hmm. You can be right and lose your legs. You can be right and be in hospital six months. Or pay a million dollars for lawyers. Mm-hmm. Why get yourself into mm-hmm. such a situation? Any questions?
1: Oh, a lot. <laughs> so wait, Rabbi. I love what you said. Uh, one night you said, and uh, it ties into this class. You said, "Pray for the chayalim that not only uh, that they can have the strength to save their life, but pray that they uh, they keep Shabbat. They do tshuva,
0: a hundred percent. Right?
1: They do teshuva So it was a little bit like a You know, in
0: some of, of the, the synagogues? synagogues, they do Misha Berach Khayalim. Right? Not every synagogue does that, because some synagogues are very strict. They don't want to do anything for the Zionist state. They don't want anything to do with this authority of non- non-religious people. But I say, you don't have to agree with their lifestyle. You don't have to support their sins, whatever they do, but you have to be grateful. Someone is risking your life for you to sleep at night, for your children to be able to go to school, no matter who they are, and you completely disagree with their ideology and their lifestyle, gratitude you must have. So now, you have to bless them that they stay alive and they won't get injured, not just for them, for your own good. Because if God forbid they all die, you'll be next. So, But we have a contradiction here. And On one hand, we have to be very grateful. We cannot be ungrateful. Judaism is all about gratitude. On the other hand, we are not allowed to support any wicked activity. Any. Not Hilulay Shabbat, not eating, not kosher, not soldiers, female that dress, not mothers. We're not allowed to support it. By blessing and praying for them, it shows that we show support and we agree to their lifestyle. So what do we do? I found an easy way out. We are blessing you and we are starting by blessing you that you should become balet Chuva. I and plus Hashem will give you all the best in the world I'm, I'm wishing you all the best but I don't want you to be a millionaire that you use the money against Hashem I don't want you to be healthy and beautiful that you use your beauty to commit sins against Hashem for that I don't sign so I bless you to be beautiful and smart and strong and healthy in order for you to be righteous and if you be righteous, you won't even need my blessing. You have the blessing of Hashem. More questions? Yeah,
1: Mashiach
0: questions. No, yes. So, so you, so you, when you pray for the Chayalim, you pray that it become by le- Hashem. You add one more sentence. Hashem Shlema. That's it. Right. Very easy. They're all saying now that
1: they're going to wear a tfilin every day from now on.
0: You know what I just said 10 minutes (laughs) ago. Yeah, exactly. go to the wall. Everyone wants (laughs) tzitzit and tfilin. Of course. We learned
1: this morning about Mashiach, about Shabtai, and how it
0: was all full of faith. So, how do we know today who will be Mashiach? First of all, now no one is Mashiach. So <laughs> there's no yeah. mistake. No one. When Mashiach comes, first he will have to be a big Chacham. And he will be, it have to be from the family of David HaMelech. And it won't be from today to tomorrow. It will be a period of time that we will see that is the Mashiach. Now the Rambam brings six conditions. What the Mashiach will do in the world. Nobody in the history fulfilled those six conditions. No one. One of the conditions is that they will be alive, that they will come to Israel, that they will gather all the Jews from all exile to Israel, that he will build Bet that he will take revenge against all the anti-Semite enemies of Israel. Do you know any rabbi in the history that did that or a prophet? No one did it. No one gathered all the Jews into Israel. You know. So any claim that he's Mashiach, he's Mashiach, usually it's all false. But if you see someone that have a divine power, such an effect on the world, gathering all the Jews to come to Israel, starting, you know what it means I to somebody? <laughs> like One thing
1: I promise you, you won't even take if to there the is travel. anything <laughs> for sure, is that
0: I'm not the Mashiach. <laughs> no. Mashiach also have to be in the family of David HaMelech. For instance, if he's a Kohen or Levi. It cannot be Mashiach. Oh, Rabbi Cohen, you are going to be the Mashiach. I can't. I'm not from the family of David HaMelech. I'm the family of Moshe and Aaron. Do you understand? So some people, you know, already, they can be Mashiach. But one thing we do know, that once someone will become Mashiach, it will be very obvious, because you can see someone with a divine effect. Hashem is Shem, making him act. It's like Ruach Hashem goes into him. One of the things that you should know, that once a person die, you know for sure he wasn't a Mashiach. Maybe he had a potential to be, because we see in the Gemara that Bar Kokhba, even Rabbi Akiva thought he's a Mashiach, such a soldier, such a warrior. Right, then he
1: came back And himself. No, and then
0: when he died, immediately Rabbi Akiva said that he was mistaken. And that's when they changed his name from Bar Kokhba to Bar Koziva. Koziva comes from the word Kazav. Kazav, in Arabic, kadab. A liar. Uh, mean a deceiver. But it also comes from the word akhzava, disappointment. Meaning, you disappointed us. We were showing you the Mashiach, and in the end you were another wicked person.
1: Aren't we not supposed to give nicknames? Oh,
0: look at you. No. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. According to... the to, uh... no, that's, that, like... that's not a nickname. That's just a title of what happened once he died. Oh. He died. That's it. I mean, you... you in the end, you deceived us. Uh, by the way, you know, the, the, Torah, okay, the Torah gives a lot of nicknames to a lot of wicked people. The Torah speaks very negative against wicked people, against Paro, against other Heshaim Torah. The Tanakh, the, 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 the prophets, they spoke against Yeruvah, against many other Heshaim. It's written clearly. Even King Solomon, King Solomon, that built the Bet HaMikdash, it's written in, in the end of his life, he, in the end, did bad things in the eyes of Hashem. Why the women turned his heart away from Hashem? Why did you have to write such a comment on such a holy person? Nobody had to know about it. Shove it under the rug. Be politically correct. Why in the because Hashem is real it's true it's not uh, fake Torah you know in Islam will you ever see a word against Muhammad you find one religious Muslim that will dare to say one bad word against Muhammad, never why, because it's all fake it's nothing divine there you find any religious Christian that will say one word against, against JCPenney one word in any book, never our Torah Abraham Avinu us the same thing. Isaac is Yaakov is the same thing. Dina is the same thing. Joseph David the Lord is the same thing. Shlomo is Every holy person in the history, the Torah is full of the same thing. Everything negative they did, the Torah is right away, Highlight. David the Lord is the seventh. Why do you have to tell us such stories and embarrassing thing. And the Talmud. Criticize unbelievably. Why? Because that's a real religion. There's no lies. It's 100% what happened. But
1: people were so imperfect. What should we say about
0: us? Oh, so that's, it Great. relates to what she asked before. The Ariya Kadosh told the student, Rabbi Chaim Vital, we are in a much lower level. So that's why when we do something positive now, it counts like a lot more in past generations. So, because we live in such a world, and because we live in such a generation, Hashem judged us in relates to in relation to the rest of the world, to the to the the way the world is. That's why Noah. They said Noah was ishtzadi in his days when everyone was rasha. Compared to them, was a big tzadi,
1: but he compared they to Avraham,
0: there wouldn't be anything special. Also, when uh, Elisha came to the, to the woman to stay in the attic, she was the star of the place, a real rabbit scent. And everyone admired her. But when he came, people saw compared to him, she's nothing. So she said to him, why did you come here? To show God all my sins? What do you mean? He didn't see your sins before? Until I was alone here, I was the most righteous in town my sins were nothing compared to my spiritual level. But when you came, the real man of God, I look like a monkey compared to you. So you see, there is such a thing to compare between two people in comparison to this tzaddik, Amir Asha. But in comparison to Bernie Sanders, I'm Gdol Ador. who you. same thing, someone come to you, excuse me, Mr. Cohen, are you a wealthy man? No. The next day, Mr. Cohen, are you a wealthy man? Very. Make up your mind. What, you won the lottery overnight? No, I have the same amount of money I had yesterday. So why yesterday you say you're poor and today you say you're rich? He said, because I compare myself yesterday to uh, Mayor Bloomberg that have $30 billion. I only have $10 million. I'm a beggar compared to him, homeless. What's $10 million and $30 billion? Now, I compare myself to an Avrech collin who makes a thousand dollars a month and have zero balance in all his accounts. If he has more than one account, compared to him, I'm a millionaire, compared to Trump, I'm nothing. Compared, it's all depends who you compare yourself to. Are you a Chacham? Compared to whom? Compared to, you know, a beginner that came to Yeshiva? Yes. Compared to Chacham Ovadia, I'm nothing. Do you understand? Every definition is subject to an argument. Are you healthy? Yes. Or no? Depends who you're comparing me to. There's always much more healthy people. Are you handsome? Depends. Compare to whom? Are you pretty? Depends. If you compare me to Sarah Emenu, I'm a monkey. If you compare me to other pretty women, I'm very pretty. Do you get the point or not? The Mara said that all women look like monkeys compared to Chava. Hashem designed her beauty manually.
1: It I wasn't was.
0: an act of nature. No, Chava mean, Hashem gave Adam Arishon a wife. What do you expect the wife to look like? <coughs> Can you imagine higher pre- uh, beauty? No. If Hashem designed, Hashem is the artist. Yeah,
1: perfect.
0: It means that any beauty we saw in our life imagine a lot higher than that because it's the hand of Hashem he doesn't do 90% job Hashem comes to do something and that's what the Gemara talks about, about some women Sarah when they went to Mitzrayim the the, the Egyptian fainted immediately they grabbed her to take her to the king I want to tell you, you know, the women in those days they were so modest, it wasn't easy to, to to acknowledge their beauty a woman dressed with tent. She covers from head to toe. Everything is covered. There was no makeup like today. Not all these artificial things. So it's, it's much harder to acknowledge it. You know when uh, Rivka, she was also very pretty, and she came to see Itzhak. She asked, "Who is this man?" Said, "This is my, this is Adoni, meaning the son of my master is also my master." And Yitzchok said, "It's my master." What did she do? She had a scarf, immediately she covered her face. You're going on a date, what are you covering your face? You want to impress your future husband with your beauty. Modesty was such a natural thing that if a woman comes to see a man, immediately she covers her beauty. Not like today. Ahmed, Mustafa, Jose, amigos, <laughs> I'm here in the supermarket. 20 minutes, she dress up, because she goes to buy a few potatoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then when her
0: husband comes home from the, from, from the job, like, shmate. oh, you look like you had a rough day. Recently, you have rough days for years already. Ah, come on, you already know me, Moshe. I have to impress you with my beauty? The answer is yes. And I will finish with a short story from the Gemara. You heard about him?
1: No.
0: he was talking to Hashem and immediately rain began he had a grandson that had the same gift his name was Abba Chilkia. he is buried in Chatzor Glilit in Galilee, in Israel Abba Chilkia, he was the holiest man perhaps in the whole world and he was walking in a field like an Arab he has a boss he's walking in a field cutting weeds the rabbis from the building came to beg him to talk to Hashem because they need rain. Months, there was no rain. People are starving. There's no water. He didn't answer. They waited. When he finished work, he said, hi, how are you? Why he didn't answer us when we say hello? He said, because I'm, uh, I'm working by the hour. If I start having a conversation with you, I'm stealing from my boss. This is how old he was. Okay, let's go to my house and see what you need. They're walking to the house and his wife came out all dressed up. Me for him. Hi, my husband. She's dressed up for him. On the weekday, rather they have a wedding soon in Charitzion. On the weekday, he comes from work. He was working in a field. She's all dressed up. The two Chachamim, they're wondering what's happening here. So now they have to walk up the stairs. So he made his wife go first. He walked behind her and they walked behind him. Now they sat down in the house and they started to ask questions. First question, why he didn't say hello? I didn't want to steal from my boss. Second question, why your wife came out all dressed up for you? What's the occasion? He said, she wants to be pretty and attractive for me. They asked him why, but it's not a, uh, it's a regular day. Because if she doesn't, I will have to look at other pretty women. She's saving me from sinning. This is the holiest person in the world of 2,000 years ago, not of today. Multiply it by a million. He said that if my wife would not, look, put up together for me every day, eventually I would look for it somewhere else. He said to the two chachamim, this is people that... In the highest Torah level you can ever imagine. And then they asked him, don't you know, Rabbi, that a man should not walk behind a woman's back, even if it's his wife on the street? If your wife walks on the street, and you park the car and you walk behind there now. It's not allowed. Why? She's my wife. I can't look at my wife. You're allowed to look at your wife, but other people doesn't know that she's your wife. It's Chilun <laughs> HaShem. Walk next to her. And if it's not your wife, needless to say, you don't walk behind a woman in the street. So he said to him, Rabbi, everybody knows that you don't walk behind a woman. Now she's climbing the stairs and you walk behind her. So he answered to them, so what do you prefer? That you walk behind her? That I go first and she walk behind me and both of you would walk behind her? Meaning he's telling the two representative of the bedding, they have to be the greatest representative of the court. If I would let you walk behind my wife, I know you're going to look at her, and who knows what you're going to think about her. So if 2,000 years ago, that's what the Gemara teaches you, imagine today, when men is in a much lower level, when modesty is in the bottom of the bottom. So that's why women have to do everything they can to be pretty, only to their husband, not to the amigos in the supermarket, not from uh, I don't know in the office. You know, there's one guy he became bald in Israel, and there is a woman chilonit in the office. She comes totally not modest. everything open, much no low life, no no class. And he said to her, Listen, I'm a religious man. I sit in front of you all day in the office. Why don't you give a little respect? Put a jacket something. Ma Tfiyad. Why are you forcing me to be like you, religious? You live your life and I live my life. Don't tell me how to dress. He comes to the rabbi, The Rabbi, I have a very good job, Kabal. Became a Balchuva. But every day I'm sinning. Every time I pick up my eyes, I have to look at him. So should I quit? I support my family, my kids go to yeshiva. Should I quit and find a job that I may not even make half of what I make? Or should I continue to fight with myself in the office? The rabbi said to you, let me give you an advice. Tomorrow, on your way to work, take the suit that you don't use anymore, the worst one, that is ready to go to the garbage. Stop by the gas station, take some gasoline, pour all over your jacket. <laughs> Soak the jacket with gasoline. You know, it evaporates quickly. So you won't get uh, wet, but it will stink the entire office. As soon as you walk in, she's going to smell the gasoline. Whoa, what's this? Tell her, this is my new perfume from now on. <laughs>
1: That's
0: how I come every day to office. She says, no, it can do it to me. I can breathe. Wow, what's <laughs> going on? Leave and let leave. Don't tell me what perfume to put. No respect. You don't give me respect. I don't give you respect. By tomorrow, she'll come as a rabbit saying. Don't worry, Moshe. From now on, I'll be That's Let's call betachbulot. Taraselichamilchaman. When you go to war, you have to be clever, not just strong. Clever. Clever. You use the right t- tactics, you know, what to do, what not to do. Same thing in life. How are you going to win the Satan, the Yetzirah? You have to be extremely clever. More questions? I
1: have a question about the Seguh Law. Yes. You know when they tell us to either read these three chapters and somebody will get pregnant, or read this book and mm-hmm. somebody will get married. You're like 13, 13 times. The
0: school Lord helps a little bit. It's not the main thing. It's not the main thing in Torah. The main thing in Torah is to be righteous, to dive into Hashem, to count on Hashem, to cry to Hashem, to beg Hashem, to have confidence in Hashem. That's 99.9%. And the segulot is 0.1%. So cry to
1: Hashem, but You understand
0: the comparison? So you ask, you ask me, I don't do any segulot.
1: What would you say? You if you ask me, you don't
0: do I don't do any school And when people send me videos of school to publish on my WhatsApp groups, I hardly ever publish. I don't waste, because people can accept X amount of videos. You can't send every hour a video. They're going to get out of the group. So I try to send two, three videos in 24 hours. I'm not going to waste the opportunity by giving some up. no. Things that are... Solid and, and uh, primary, I will publish okay. things that is secondary, not as important. I won't waste time on, but it cannot hurt. What about
1: Zayra Zayra Shibshon Zayra Shibshon Zayra Shibshon is a very holy book. Yes, There's a lot the of
0: Kabbalistic thing. Gulot, like I said. This Gulot is extra, it's good, it can help more. Right. But first, let's be Don't fully drive righteous. Us all crazy with the, with the yeah, because you know what happened when the segula doesn't work. I mean, what you know, happened to people? They your your s- your "No, your they're your starting your to question prayer. the Torah." Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But when you say be, sim- be uh, cried Hashem? But you have to be
0: besimcha. I mean, like no contradiction. You have to be besimcha that you're Jewish. You have to be besimcha that you connect to Hashem. But you know, you follow the, the, the Torah and for everything else you have. At the same time, we have to be sad that so many of our nation is lost and look at the situation we're in. And whatever we need improvement for. It can, many things in the Torah, you have to do with mixed feelings. I'll give you an example. Someone's father died and left him $10 million. And that boy until now was an avreich Kolev. His father gave him 2000 a month and he lives. Father just died and now he became a very rich man. Which bracha should he make? Baruch Dayana, Emed or Shechiyanu? Vekiyamano, Vigiyano, La The answer bot. Shechiyanu. it's for a big happy thing. Baruch Dayana, Emit, it's for tragedy. How can he say two opposite things? No contradiction. I'm happy for the $10 million. I'm sad that my father died. At the same time, I'm happy to be a Jew, to be ben Torah, to be connected to Hashem, to see all the dirt and the nonsense of the world that I'm not a part of it. I'm sad that I'm not enough Chacham and, and, and this and that, whatever I need, you know, to improve, no contradiction. It can be Besimcha, and at the same time, with disappointment, I wish I could do better, I should do better. It's no contradiction. What about if you're very
1: righteous, always praying, always studying Torah, but you don't, uh, but a person doesn't see the hand of Hashem in their life. You that see, question if a
0: person day. learns a lot of Torah and learns a lot of good Musar and Ashkafah book, it's impossible not to see the hand of Hashem. Because remember, the Ashkafah book and the Musar book educate you to pay attention to every tiny detail. i give you an example. I... 20 years ago you stood up in a place called Vishnitz in Monsi. they have every 15 minutes minyan now Baruch Hashem, they built the shul 10 years ago next to my home I walk out I walk into the shul before the shul was there I had to drive there find parking big headache there's a lot of people there thousands coming they have a lot of classes like Bnei Yosef similar even bigger okay so what happened I sit over there and my friend sit next to me with his son his son was probably 11 years old 10 years old he said to me, do you have $5 to lend me? Check in my pocket, I have $100 bill. I said, I don't have 5 but I can give you 100 said, okay, I'll give you change. I want to buy a cake to my son. He wants to buy a cake from the cafeteria. He came back after two minutes, he gives me $95. I, said, I owe you $5. Oh. Weeks, I didn't see him. I don't see him every day. I forgot about it completely. Now, after maybe two three months, the guy from the yeshiva said to me, by any chance you go to Costco? I said, yes, today I'm going to Costco. Can I come with you? I have to buy stuff for the yeshiva, paper plates, cups. I said, yeah, you can come with me. It was around three something. I said to him, listen, sunset is around 4.35, let's go to Vishnitz, Dav and Mincha, like this, we don't have to worry because it's a goish area, there's no minyan over there. Finish with Mincha and then we go. We come to Vishnitz, was, it was early, it was an hour before sunset, so it wasn't packed. You have to look for Minyan. Finally, we found Minyan, we finished Mincha, we're about to go out to the parking. I see a box of books, lots of used books. People sometimes come to sell, they write on every book the price, they put a Pushke box, Tzdaka box, next to it. Nobody is a thief there, so no one will steal it. And they leave it all day, they come at night to collect. I saw a book that I wanted to get, it was hard to get, of Rav Shimshon Zatzal, about the education of kids. Chinuch Chiladim. $5, it's written. Ah, it's an amazing book. I say, I don't have now $5. The, mini, the smallest bill I had is $20. This is 20 years ago. $20 back then was like $50 today. I say, well, I'm going to put $20 in the box. There's no change. I asked the Hasidim there, do you know who owns the box? No, he's going to come tonight. I asked the guy, Aaron, you have maybe $5 to lend me? He said, no. Standing over there, I said, no, I have no no choice. I have to put $20, four times more. Just when I'm thinking to put the $20 in the box, that guy showed up with $5 in his hand. Hey, where are you? I'm looking for you for three months. I owe you $5, remember? I take the five dollars, I put it in the bag, say you see the perfect timing. I have to be blind not to see how Hashem runs the world." He showed, what are the odds? He showed up with five dollars in his hand, he saw me from far, he prepared five dollars, he came. he doesn't know that I'm, that I'm in a need for five dollars now. He see me holding a book, standing by the bank. He hands me the five, I say exactly what I need. I can tell you thousands of stories like this. You can read about some of them in my book if you didn't read my book yet well, still book book? I
1: have, you yet? Book.
0: I have so in my car else. if you come out I <laughs> can give you some was, books Prepar- <laughs> yeah, I have books <laughs> in the car preparation yeah. for eternal
1: yeah. life them out. <laughs> <signed> <laughs> copies, I sign copies <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: any more questions before we finish?
1: when are you coming
0: back? <laughs> whenever you invite me that's you, the
1: answer did you ever give a one hour class? This is the first time no. That's no. More. It
0: I actually do. Sometimes they limit you on the time. You can speak only. It was such
1: a treat. It was so nice. Thank you. Thank you, so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You definitely want to come. <laughs> sure.